Do you know that from your position you can change a situation? Do you also know that you are the master over the created world and that you are meant to rule over everything God has made? Listen carefully to Pastor Shegun Obaje as he brings to you with simplicity and clarity the message of the new creation realities in Christ Jesus. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. You're welcome to church in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, It promises to be a great time today in God's presence as we uh, look at God's word on the subject of righteousness. This is our month of blessings of righteousness and we're looking at the subject of righteousness. It's been awesome so far and it's going to be awesome, yet awesome in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we are grateful for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for the gift of righteousness. And thank you for the ability of the Spirit to stand before you and to be confident in your confidence. We give you praise. We give you glory. Be exalted, Lord, in Jesus' name. Our hearts are open today to receive your word. We ask that you speak to us specifically in Jesus' name. We take authority over every foul spirit that seeks to militate against the speaking and the hearing of God's word. You have no part in this transaction. We bind you and we forbid you from interacting with this transaction in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. All right, glory to God. Today we want to look at the ministration of uh, righteousness. The ministration or ministry of righteousness. When you talk about ministry, you're talking about service. All right? You're talking about um, giving out something for others to receive it onto their blessing or edification. That's what ministry is all about. It is service. So when we talk about the ministry of righteousness, we're talking about the life of righteousness that adds value to us and adds value to others through us. Praise God. The ministry or ministration of righteousness. Our anchor scripture is taken from 2 Corinthians very quickly, chapter number 3. I'd like for us to start the reading from verse 7. We read from verse 7 to verse 11. But if the ministration of death Written and engraving in stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory." For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Hallelujah. So here, all right, from verse 7, we see the different types of ministrations or ministry, service, all right, um, a transaction of value um, added. Praise God. Okay? So we see here the ministration of death. Um, And then he calls it the ministration of death uh, written and engraving in stones. Speaking of the law. Okay? That is the old covenant. And then he goes on to talk about 
the ministration of life. In verse 8, the ministration of life. Okay? He calls it the ministration of the Spirit. That means the Spirit of God is involved here. And what the Spirit of God does when he's involved in anything is to give life to it. He's the Spirit of life. He is the life-giving Spirit. The quickening Spirit of God. So he calls it the ministration of the Spirit, which is also the ministration of life. And then in verse 9... It tells us, it speaks of the ministration of condemnation. So, the ministration of condemnation here is the ministration of death. That means it is a ministration that uh, ministers death. What is death here? It simply means separation from the life of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God, everything that is of God. Separation from it is death. Okay? So, for, the, for if the ministration of condemnation, so ministration of condemnation... All right, and then he now speaks of the ministration of righteousness. So the ministration of righteousness is the ministration of the Spirit, and it is the ministration of life. Glory to God. It is the ministration of life. That means when there is a ministry of righteousness, there is life given to people. The Spirit of God is free to move in an atmosphere where there is righteousness consciousness. The Spirit of God can move and give life to people. Jesus, the Lord, speaking in John chapter 6 and verse 63, he says, It is the Spirit that gives life or quickeneth. The flesh profits nothing. He said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So that is the ministration of life. That is the ministration of the Spirit. And that is the ministration of righteousness. Glory to God. Now, this ministration of righteousness... Um, excludes sin consciousness. Alright? It does not involve condemnation. Alright? It corrects. It builds up. But condemnation is not involved. Because anytime condemnation um, is involved in anything, death sets in. Death comes by reason of condemnation. The ministration of condemnation is the ministration of of death. Now, under the old covenant, though the law given to them was spiritual, but because of the interchange, the interaction with the law, they couldn't catch the life that was in that commandment. Okay? Why? For this reason. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. It tells us, it says, For there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life. Now, there is a law, a ministration. The word law there means principle. Principle. For the principle of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law or principle of sin and death. So you see, sin and death. Spirit of life. So that means the spirit of God ministers life. The consciousness of sin ministers death. How? Through condemnation. You see it? Through condemnation. Then verse 3 tells us here. It says, for what the law could not do. So that means the law attempted to do it but couldn't do it in that it was weak through the flesh. The law itself, though spiritual, though holy, could not accomplish the righteousness of God in people under the law. Okay, The law couldn't do it because the law was weak through the flesh. 
That means the fallen human nature. All right, everyone in Adam, fallen Adam, was condemned to sin and condemned under sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay, so the law couldn't minister righteousness to them, though the law was just, though the law was holy, all right, but could not minister righteousness to them. For what the law couldn't do in that it was weak through the flesh, all right, God sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That means there was only one man who could fulfill the requirement of the law. What the law says is this, this is God's standard and God is not going to bend it for anyone. It's either you fulfill it or it condemns you. So before the law, every man was condemned. Nobody could attain unto righteousness because man had fallen. Man had committed sin. Mankind was, had been condemned to sin. For all had sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay? So the law ministered condemnation to people, couldn't minister righteousness because nobody could truly fulfill the demands of the law. Amen? So the Bible tells us, cursed is everyone that does not continue in all that is written in the law. So the curse of the law here is condemnation to everyone before God. Alright? Regarding the law, every man is condemned before God. That's the curse of the law, condemnation. But there was a man by the name of Jesus, the anointed one, who came and fulfilled the requirement of the law, not in the fallen nature or fallen um, life of man. All right, He was not born the way every other person or every other, um, everyone else was born. He was born by the Spirit and by the Word of God. So he didn't have the fallen nature of man. No, he didn't have it. His nature, his being was different all right he was born of god he was called the son of god born with the very nature and the life of god he was the one who fulfilled the requirement of the law on the behalf of man so that means jesus was not condemned before the law the law couldn't condemn him because he fulfilled the law hallelujah he fulfilled the law so he now turned to humanity and said now you can come to me now. If you stand before the law, you can never be righteous. But if you stand before me and repose faith in me, I will confer righteousness on you. I will impute righteousness to you. Amen? So that means anybody who stands before the law to be justified, it can never happen. Justification can never come to any man by the law. Amen? Because the law shows the high standards of God. Too high for man to accomplish. So, every man stands before the law condemned. And by that condemnation, there is damnation. And by that damnation, there is death. People feel unfit. They feel unworthy. They feel unrighteous. They feel that they are not good enough. All right, God cannot bless them because they have not fulfilled the requirement of God. So the ministration of the law is a ministration of condemnation, not because the law itself is condemnation, but the law is the standard of God that no man can attain unto, no fallen man can attain unto, except by grace. See, 
So that ministration makes people unfit. Like, okay, I'm not sure I can receive anything from God. I'm not sure I'm good enough. That I'm not good enough. I don't have it. I am unworthy. All right? It is the ministration of condemnation. And that ministration ministers death to people. They die. The more they feel unworthy to be blessed, unworthy to receive from God, unworthy to have all the best that God has prepared for them, all right, the more they die, they are separated and separated and separated from the goodness of God. From the goodness of God. But God says, no more. Praise God. Okay? So you can come to Jesus now who fulfilled the law. That's, that's what has been said here. In verse 3 of Romans chapter 8, it says, for what the law could not do, the law failed. All right? In that, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh because of the fallen nature of man. God, sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he says, condemned sin in the flesh. In other words, the law couldn't say, this is sin unto you. No. Jesus fulfilled everything that the law required of him. Praise God. Everything. He did not fail in anything. The Bible says he was tempted in all points, yet without sin. Glory to God. He was tempted in all points. There was no sin. The law couldn't say, you've done this wrong. No. In fact, before they could crucify him, before they could kill him, they had to lie against him. All right? They made it up. It was, for, it was a false accusation. You see? Praise God. <laughs> So, he, he could not be convicted by the law. He could not be condemned by the law. He fulfilled the law fully, completely. And then he says, hey guys, all of you come to me. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When you put your faith in me, I will give you my righteousness. The righteousness that I have fulfilled before God in keeping all his laws, I will give that to you. But if you go to the law... Or go to your own moral, you know, uh, rectitude. You say, well, um, I think I'm a good person. Why am I experiencing bad things? Now, have you heard people say that I'm a good person? I don't know why. You see, it's still self-righteousness. You're a good person. Who made you good? If God has not made you good, you are not good. You may be good in your own eyes. It's called self-righteousness. All right, but you see, until God makes you good and calls you good through faith in Jesus Christ, you are not good. Amen? Not good. Praise God. Have, have you seen students after an exam, the result is out and they begin to argue? Um, I wrote, I mean, what I wrote, the lecturer did not. If you actually wrote the thing, <laughs> the marking scheme <laughs> didn't mark you right. All right? Students, are, they always pass exams in their own eyes. Praise God. But the marking scheme can either mark you right or wrong. I mean, this is that simple. All right? Righteousness comes from God. He is the Lord, our righteousness. So let's, let's go get back to this. Romans chapter 8 and verse 3. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his son, his own son, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That means sin was incapacitated in the flesh. That means in Jesus' earthly walk in the body. When the word of God was made flesh, 
He condemned sin. Sin looked at him and said, ah, for the first time, a man is not under my influence. Abba. He condemned sin in the flesh. <laughs> not in the spirit, in the flesh, in the body. Glory to God. Amen. To what end? Look at it. Verse 4. It says that the righteousness of the law. You see, he actually got that righteousness of the law. Now, let me show it to you. Um, Psalm 24, quickly. Start the reading from um, verse, let's start from verse 3, please. Thank you. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. So there was no body in Adam, the fallen Adam, that could meet this requirement, satisfy this requirement. But one person, the second Adam, but not in the fallen Adam. Praise God. It says, he that had clean hands, verse 4 please, he that had clean hands and a pure heart, who had not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He says, that is the person who shall receive what? The blessing from the Lord. Come on, say the blessing. blessing. Alright. And righteousness from the God of his salvation. He was talking about the blessing of righteousness. So he was the one that received that blessing of righteousness. Amen. In fact, Abraham didn't receive it. In, in Abraham. He didn't say, Abraham is that blessing. He says in Abraham. Amen. In thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Genesis chapter 12. All right, you read from verse 3. All right, in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And then in Genesis 22, God explained it this way. He says, in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Genesis 22, I believe verse 17. In thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Glory to God. Okay, verse 18. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So, God was referring to Abraham's seed, who received the blessing of righteousness. Of course, you understand, Abraham didn't have clean hands. Amen. Praise God. His parents, you know, earthly parents, worshipped idols. Right? Okay, he had lifted up his soul unto vanity. But there was someone that was to come by the mercy of God, through the natural, physical, biological lineage of Abraham, called the seed of Abraham. That's Christ. Glory to God. Who had not lifted up his soul unto vanity. He says he's the one that will receive the blessing from the Lord. Amen? The blessing from the Lord. Even righteousness. I love this. <laughs> go, to, go to verse 5, quickly. Psalm 24 and verse 5. Amen? He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Praise God. Did you see that? So he actually received righteousness. How? He fulfilled the law. Now go back to Romans chapter 8 and verse 4, please. So he condemned sin in the flesh, right? That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. <laughs> who walked not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Amen? So, that means Jesus then came and said, I have fulfilled the righteousness of the law. 
Now, faith in me puts you in a place of advantage wherein it is credited to your account as though you did it. It is called imputing. Praise God. So that the righteousness of the law is now imputed to us. That means you have fulfilled the law. Someone says, well, when? In Christ. In union with Christ. Glory to God. And you know the principle of oneness is faith. Faith is the principle of oneness. I believe in you, you believe in me, then we're one. I disbelieve in you, then I'm not one with you. That's what it means. Faith is the premise of oneness. Oneness. You see? How does a man marry a woman? I mean, he just wondered. They came from two different backgrounds. All right? And they just exchanged words of faith in one another. Right? And, and they're married. I mean, and then they can do things together sometimes. Just look at themselves. And, <laughs> you mean... <laughs> But words of faith, faith. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you come into oneness with Christ. The righteousness that he received, the blessing of righteousness that he received from the Lord becomes yours. Glory to God. So that means there is no occasion of inadequacy anymore. All right? Someone says, well, what if I make mistakes? All right, if you make mistakes, you still look up to him. He is your righteousness. Amen? And you repent. You see, but never again accommodate what is called sin consciousness. Unworthiness. No. No. Because, you see, if you make mistakes and then you feel unworthy, that you're unfit to receive God's blessings you still ascribing righteousness to yourself based on the works of your hands. Your self-righteousness. But if you look up to him, doesn't mean you continue sinning. No. Shall we continue sinning that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer there? Man. See? So, you repent, but you still look. See, he's your righteousness. Whether you're strong or weak, or he's your righteousness. <laughs> it doesn't matter how you feel. It's still your righteousness. You may feel like, I have obeyed God this week too much. Ah, I feel God should just open the windows of heaven and just bless me in a marvelous way. All right? You still humble yourself and say, yes, I've obeyed God. I'm meant to obey God. You're a child of faith. Amen? Praise God. You're meant to do the will of God. But you see, your righteousness is not attached to what you do. Either right or wrong, your righteousness is in one person, is in Christ. He is our righteousness. The Lord, our righteousness. Jehovah Mekadiskim. He is our righteousness. He is our righteousness. <laughs> Glory to God. He is your righteousness. Someone says, well, pastor, you don't know, you don't know me. Oh. <laughs> you don't know me. If I talk about me to you, you will run away. You see, at least I may run away, but God will not run away from you. <laughs> because he loves you. Amen. I said amen. amen. Never come to a point, even in your maturity, 
when you start mastering the laws that govern godliness and holiness, you must never go back to self-righteousness. He's your righteousness. And if you go back to self-righteousness, the Bible calls that foolishness. Galatians chapter number 3. Oh, foolish Galatians, who had bewitched you? That you should not obey the truth. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ had been evidently set forth. Crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the spirit by the works of the law. Or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish? Oh dear. Having begun in the spirit. Having been justified by faith. You now want to get to a point where you now start taking credit. For it. By your own self-righteousness. Having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministered to you the spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? (laughs) You see? Amen. Look at Paul. Even at that level of Christian maturity, he was still saying to himself, I'm still holding on to that righteousness. I want to be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness which is of faith. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9. I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. Now, this is a temptation of even the mature in Christ. Is this still a temptation? Alright, you get to a point, you no, no, don't ascribe it to works. Does that mean you shouldn't do good works? No. It simply means that the good works are born out of your consciousness of righteousness. Your oneness with him, he is your righteousness. We have to remind ourselves daily that our good works is not our righteousness. Amen? Christ is our righteousness. Praise God. Amen. We must not go back. We must not follow the steps of the Galatians. Alright. That way is the way of foolishness. Oh foolish Galatians. So anybody who having been justified by faith is trying to get justification by the works of his hand. Alright. The Bible calls that person foolish. Don't do it. Say I'm wise. I can't hear you. Say I'm wise. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. So, ministration of life, ministration of righteousness. Let's look at this very quickly. Now, the danger of seeing consciousness. The danger of seeing consciousness. As ministers of the gospel, in attempting to separate the congregation from uh, the worldly influences and build them up. To live holy and godly, we must be very careful that we do not preach sin rather than righteousness. We should preach sonship and redemption, righteousness and acceptance with God. Amen? The only cure for sin is righteousness. It is not sin consciousness. The only cure for sin is righteousness, not condemnation. If I feel guilty, all right, then what has convicted me 
has overpowered me. Are you following what I'm saying here? If I feel condemned, what has condemned me is Lord over me. I cannot live above it. If you feel condemned by sin, you can't live above sin. Amen? So that means, listen very carefully, that, you know, sin is wrong is evident. Jesus died for our sins. If he was right, he would not have died for our sins. Are you from sin here? It's bad. But listen very carefully. You know, telling you sin is bad. You know, you go to hell if you sin and all that. And you keep hearing that. And there is no true gospel of the provision that God has made to live right. All right? That person will never be able to live right. Sin consciousness is what paralyzes confidence in God. It kills faith in God. Amen? Romans chapter 6 and verse 14. The Bible tells us very clearly. It says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? For you are not under the law, but under grace. You see it? So that means under the law, which is the administration of condemnation, sin rules and reigns over men. But under grace, which is righteousness by faith in Christ Jesus and absolute trust in him, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Every step we take, every move we make, it's by faith in him. Confidence, I trust you. I have done my part all right, I've called my clients, I've prepared for the meeting, but safety is of the Lord, prosperity is of the Lord. All right, I have dotted the I's, crossed the T's, but I still trust you. <laughs> you are my confidence, you are my ability to make it work. You know, that's righteousness. We've done our homework and all that, nothing can fail. Uh, we have, listen, listen, who is it that speaks and it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it? Amen? Righteousness, that means our trust is in him absolutely. Absolutely. We do our homework. We do our part. Paul planted. God didn't plant. It was Paul that planted. Apollos watered. God didn't water. It was Apollos that watered. But God gave the increase. Alright? So you see that God is the one who gives the increase. Increase comes from God. Prosperity comes from God. Favor comes from God. We do our own part. We are diligent, yes, but we don't trust in our diligence. We are diligent, yes, but we don't trust in our hard work. No, we lean on God. The arm of flesh will fail, no matter how strong it is. But God never fails. Glory to God. So we lean on him. We trust in God. Can someone say amen to that? All right. So the failure of the church has been strength in teaching people about their need of righteousness. Their weakness and inability to please God. You see, righteousness is no longer a need. It's a provision. It's, it's, look, it's not a need. A need is a problem. Righteousness is a provision. It's available. It's available. You know, when, when there's a provision and people are talking about need, 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 it makes no you know, sense. Why not focus on the provision, what God has done? Amen? Amen. 
You need to be holy. You need to be righteous. You need to be, you need to tell them who they are. Tell them what Christ has done for them. Tell them how to make the most of that. Tell them how to walk in the light of it. It makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. Glory to God. The church has preached against unbelief. Worldly conformity and lack of faith. Alright, we, we don't have a faith problem anymore. <laughs> no sin problem anymore. Someone says, mm, are you sure? No sin problem anymore. That people are ignorant of the solution to a problem does not make the problem a problem. You know what that means? Because there's solution. You see, right now, COVID-19 is a serious problem because they are still working on the vaccine. The moment the vaccine, you know, is discovered and they have it, it's no longer a problem. Is malaria a problem now? Someone says, ah, malaria, it is not a problem. You are ignorant of the solution. That's it. That's why it's a problem. The sin problem has been solved. Hello. It's been solved. We just have to know what Christ has done for us. The provision has been made. (laughs) Glory to God. It's no longer a problem. You know, people who have money problem are people who don't know how to make money. They don't even know what to do to make money. And that is the problem. It's not lack itself. It's ignorance. Because this world, God has loaded it with enough resources to sustain you throughout your lifetime here. Amen? Amen. Say, I'm blessed. blessed. Say, my mind is open. I see solutions. Amen. Praise God. See? The failure of teachers in the New Testament is the failure of not showing the church what Christ has made available to us and how to receive all that. It is the failure of preaching needs instead of preaching supplies or provisions. Amen. Now, when you preach need, the need to have this, the need to go to this place, the need to go that place, the need, the need, the need, all right, then you've been capacitating people. You have a bunch of people who are needy. Amen? See? Hallelujah. We are complete in him. <laughs> and in him we have completeness. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. Say I am complete in him and in him I have completeness. Hallelujah. Amen. We are complete in him. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 10. We have completeness in Christ. We are complete in him. Amen. So that means there are resources in Christ for our completeness because in him we have completeness. So show me what he's done for me. Show me what is made available to me. Show me the blessings I have in Christ. Show me. That's what I need. Revelation. Light. Understanding. Glory to God. I want to know what is available. What is made available for me. Glory to God. Did you see that? 
Postponing our righteousness and redemption till after death is unnecessary. Don't postpone it. <laughs> you know, like, okay, when we get to heaven, we'll be righteous. No. We are righteous now. He is our righteousness. Hallelujah. Amen. I said amen. I said amen. Glory to God. There's no condemnation to us anymore. You know why? You see, can you look at Jesus and call him your righteousness and then think in your heart that is inadequate to be your righteousness? So where does that sense of inadequacy, insufficiency, condemnation comes from? Where does it come from? Where does it come from? You must have shifted your gaze from him. It comes from looking at yourself. You cannot look at him and feel inadequate because he is your righteousness. Did you see that? So stay your gaze on him. Someone says, well, but what about this challenge? You see, if you could fix it all by yourself, you should have done it long before now. His ability, his strength is going to help you. All right? Overcome that thing. It's not in your own strength. You see, in righteousness, there's administration of life. There's administration of grace. The ability of God flows through the conduit of righteousness. Righteousness consciousness. The grace of God comes to you. And you just realize that I can do without this thing. You shake it off. (laughs) Glory to God. You shake it off. Someone says, wow, pastor, you don't really see. All right. Sin has been broken. The power of sin has been broken. Amen. It's been broken. The backbone of sin has been broken. Jesus did it for you. Praise God. Did you see that? Come on now. Did you see that? (laughs) We have tried to build faith in the believer by condemning their wrong deeds and by preaching sin and condemnation. That is not the way. That is not the way. There is a way that seems right unto a man. A way is not the way. There is the way to get things done. The way is not to condemn people. The way is to show them what has been done for them. All right? And encourage them by the strength of the Spirit of God to make the most of their privileges in Christ. Amen? Amen. That's the way. That's the way. That's the way. Glory to God. Amen? No one gets faith that way. You don't get faith that way. (laughs) It rather destroys faith. But the secret of victory is acting fearlessly, boldly, and courageously. Amen? Faith has its foundation in righteousness consciousness. It has its root in righteousness consciousness. See? In condemnation, there is no faith. If I feel unworthy, what can I believe? I can't believe God for anything. I can't believe anything. (laughs) Because I feel like, okay, I'm not even worthy to believe. Amen? I'm blessed. Glory to God. The struggle for faith is born out of a sense of unworthiness. 
unrighteousness. People keep struggling for faith. Yet God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Alright? I don't know how much faith my son, one of my sons, needs to walk up to me and say, Daddy, I love you. Daddy, can I have that? Do you need faith (laughs) to approach your dad? (laughs) Of course, all things be equal now. I'm a good dad. Amen? Praise God. And if you've not been a good dad, don't condemn yourself. Praise God. You you can be a good dad. All right? Look at what he's done for you. Her heavenly father is the pattern of fatherhood. The perfect pattern of fatherhood. Even when I have done something wrong, he doesn't say, I don't want to see you again the rest of my life. No. As long as I live, and he lives forever. Praise God. (laughs) I still come, I say, Lord, I repent of this. And I do it sincerely from my heart. But you see, I have acceptance with him. Having accepted in the beloved. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6. I have acceptance with Christ, with God. I have been accepted. You know what that means? I'm as beloved to the Father as Jesus the Lord is beloved to him. Jesus, I've been accepted in the beloved. Amen. I said amen. All this, well, I need one big faith. You don't need any big faith. You need righteousness consciousness. Is it a blessing that your father put in the word for you? Is it available? God, your father. Your father. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he told Mary, don't touch me yet. Have not yet gone up to my father, my God and my father. And then he says, your God and your father also. Why? Because through his substitutionary work, he's opened the way for every man through him to come to the father. You can come to the father. Amen? He's your father. He loves you. Amen? You don't have to struggle to pray. No. Just accept your acceptance in Christ. Don't reject it. Amen? You see, relationship is permanent. You are related to your dad eternally. You may, you may have issues with your dad. Your dad is still your dad. You can't change that. <laughs> are you for what I'm saying here? It's, just, it's simple. Your relationship with your mother is permanent. So even if there's an issue, listen very carefully. Are you going to run away from God? Who is going to help you to fix that thing? Come on. Think straight. Go to God. His arms are wide open. He loves you. He wants you now. He, he, he gave birth to you in his love. You are a child of love. You are the beloved of God. You are the apple of his eye. <laughs> Amen. He loves you absolutely. I love, let's, let's close on this note. First John chapter number 3 quickly. 
and verse 1. Thank you. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon... Prepare the Amplified Version, please. Just get ready. Behold, what manner of love... Let's, let's do KJV first. Thank you. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. What manner of love? What manner? Can you imagine it? What manner of love? The intensity, the length, the breadth, the quality... What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. I love this. Amplified, please. Thank you. See what an incredible quality of love the Father has given, shown, bestowed on us that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. Glory to God. Amen. 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 All this feeling like I don't have enough faith for this, I don't have enough faith for that. All right, it's born out of sin consciousness. Amen. Amen. All my children have faith for everything that I have. They were born into it. Are you from saying here? Okay. I may hold back some things, not from them, but for them. Because they don't have the maturity to handle them yet. (laughs) So God has hidden things for you, not from you. God is not in the business of hiding things from his children. So you can grow up, all right, mature. There are certain things that will come into your life by reason of maturity. But that those things are not there at this moment does not mean God is holding them back from you. No. He's preparing you for them. Say, I hear. Father, we thank you for the entrance of your word has given us light and understanding. We give you praise and glory and honor. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Be righteousness conscious. God bless you.